But today we're talking about serve one another. And I want to, all of us to ask ourselves, I want, to, I want you to ask yourself, are you a servant? Are you a servant? Because the word servant, it, 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 it has to take on an attitude of humility. It has to take on an attitude of selflessness. It has to take an attitude on of being more worried about those around you than yourself. And also, you know, the Bible, you know, we can do good things for other people, but totally do it for the wrong meaning. Totally do it for the wrong reason. But if, how many of you believe that all Christians are to be servants? How come all Christians aren't serving? How come all Christians aren't sacrificing? How come all Christians aren't focused on what we need to be focused on? Why is that? Now, I got complimented on the other, the other day by a man who goes to another church. And he told me, he says, man, it is awesome how many people at your church show up to do the things that you do. So we have servants here, amen? I mean, we've got some servants here. But you know what? Until 100% of us get it, there's still a problem. Until 100% of us step up to the plate, live the life that God has called us to live, then there is still reproaching and rebuking that needs to come from God's Word. Because, see, we're all about blessings, and we're all about this. I mean, hey, I want to I be blessed. How many of you want to be blessed? Amen? But you see, to be blessed, you can't just talk about being blessed. You've got to walk into the blessing the way God says this is how you get there. And sometimes that involves suffering. Sometimes that involves pain. Sometimes it involves you being more, and, and here's the deal. When you begin to worry about yourself more than everybody around you, there is no blessing. The Bible says you ask and you receive not because you spend it upon your own selfish thinking desires. And that's a lot of people's problems today. Because the preaching from the pulpit and on Facebook and everywhere else, it, it, it does not build up sacrificial servants. It builds up selfish people about building their own kingdoms, not the kingdom of God. And, and if our kingdom, if our kingdom is our, if, if the kingdom that you have, if you're killing yourself trying to sustain your own unsustainable kingdom, how much time are you going to have to build the kingdom of God? How much time are you going to have left to give to your supposed master of whom you say that you serve? So let's look what Jesus did. Let's look at Jesus. Let's look at the word. And let's ask ourselves, what did Jesus say about being a servant? What did Jesus say about serving him and his kingdom? 1 Peter 4, verse 1. I'm going to read through this real quick. <clears throat> Excuse me. It says, Since therefore Christ suffered in the flesh, arm yourselves with the same way of thinking. It says, for whoever has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. So as to live for the rest of the time in the flesh. For human passions, not, no longer for human passions, but for the will of God. How many of you are saved? How many of you had a day when Jesus, you know, you may not know the time or the exact minute, but you know there was a transition point, there was a... There was a rally point on your patrol life, or whatever you want to call it. There was a time when you, you saw, you felt, you responded to the need of Jesus in your life. 
It says here that from that point on that you are no longer to serve the, the passions of your flesh, but you are to serve and you are to live for the will of God. How many of you agree with that? It says, for the time that is past suffices for what doing what the Gentiles want to do, living in sensuality, passions, drunkenness, orgies, drinking parties, and lawless idolatry. With respect to this, they are surprised when you do not join them in the same flood of debauchery. And they malign you. How many of you have friends that were surprised when you came to know Jesus and you did not participate in the worldliness lifestyle that you once participated in and they maligned you and they thought, what's wrong with you, freak show? How come you don't want to do the things that we used to do? How many of you have ever experienced that? Some of you said, I'm not, I'm not so sure. It brings up lots of questions. <laughs> And so Jesus says that in our life that we are, there is suffering involved in our flesh. Our flesh has, our life has a different desire after we come to know him. And then it should be obvious in our life that we are no longer the same and that we are no longer associated with the life that we had before. It says, but they will give account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. For this is why the gospel was preached even to those who are dead that though judged in the flesh the way people are, they might live in the Spirit the way God does. That's what God wants us to do. Live in the Spirit. The end of all things is at hand. Therefore be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. In other words, it affects your prayers, doesn't it? Above all, keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. So that way when your brother does come ask for forgiveness, when you love him, it helps to forgive him, doesn't it? Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's very grace. So that's what we're talking about today, serving one another. It says, whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God... Whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. And so today I want to talk about being a servant, not only to one another, but just being a servant in general. You know, what does that look like? What does it consist of? What, what denotes that someone is a servant? I remember, uh, you know, how many of you know that this church has been built by servants? Very little work in this place has been done by outside contractor work. Very, uh, most of this work has been done by just simple people that go to this church, that love this church, have the vision for this church, have the vision for the will of God in this church, and they sacrifice to see this building come to be. Every little stud in this wall, whether it's crooked or straight or not, was put in there by a servant. And I remember one time we, man, I remember, how many of you were here when we did any of the add-ons? I mean, I remember just, you know, guys working in any spare moments you had for maybe a month to two months was 
up here. Some guys would come up here straight after work in their Nomex, and they'd pick up a tool, and we worked till 10 o'clock at night, till dark. And uh, I remember, man, we, we, we probably kept Sonic in business. That's why they had to make two around here. You know, how many hamburgers? And you know what? And you know what? We were so busy to worry about what kind of hamburger you wanted. Look, we got 3,000 cheeseburgers all the way. You want one or not? You know, we didn't do this. What kind of hamburger do you want? Well, you know, you know that, that gets ridiculous when you got, you know, 50 guys standing around working. I mean, it's, it's crazy. So, look, we got hamburgers. How many of y'all know what I'm talking about? It wasn't about us. It was about getting done what God wanted us to do. And, and you know, I just, you know, the, the sweat, the blood. Yeah, the blood. There's some people shed blood on this project, too. Shot through the nail with nail guns and cut fingers and stitches and fell off roofs. Yeah, Nick fell off a roof and lived to tell about it and... You know, just, uh, you know, all the, the, the effort that, that went into building this place the way it is. I, I love the fact that people come in here and they say, man, y'all have done a great job this old feed store. Amen? I mean, you know, this, we're proud of this. And, uh, you know, this is uh, year, years of work. Every, every wall, every stud tells a story. Uh, every, every, like, if, if you've been here long enough, you can, when you look at a wall or a building or a, or a texture, or, a, or anything. You remember a name that was tied to that of a person who gave of themselves and their time and their talents to make sure that that was made available for the body of Christ. And I remember one Sunday we came in here, and we all walked in here, and whew, we were tired. We came in here, but we came, and we were going to worship the Lord. And I remember some of the non-servant types showed up and walked in the church and looked around and went, Man! Look what Jesus did. Y'all got to give me a better response than that. It's a joke. It's funny. Unless you were there working at the time. You were like, oh, you better come here. Give me both of them cheeks. I'm fixing to smack both of them. But, I mean, when we came in here, I remember, I remember hearing this person say that, and I'm thinking, are you kidding me? You mean I've been here for three months working on this place? I ain't never seen Jesus. Where's he hiding it? <clears throat> but how many of you know that the Bible teaches that we are the body of Christ? We are the limbs, the, the fingers, the toes, the, the mouths, the ears, that, that through, through serving Him, through serving His will, get the job done. He is working with us. He is empowering us. He is working through us to do what He wants us to do. And how many of you know that the church... It was God's secret weapon, his secret plan since the beginning of time to manifest himself to the world and the principalities of the world, to manifest his wisdom and to do his work and his bidding until his son returns to take us home. You see, in this passage, it says serve one another, but it starts off saying, hey, you don't live for yourself anymore. You see, so you got to get the broader pictures because a lot of people today, they, they look at serving one another. They just, you know, like, okay, well, God's gave me a special talent and I need to use it to help other people. No, we need to step back and look at the big picture. We have a big job ahead of us. We have a big task to accomplish. And it involves snatching souls out of hell. It involves teaching people the word of God so that they may live a fruitful life before God, so that they can live a life walking in His presence, so that they can take their families and lead them to Christ and all those around them. It's way much bigger than just me and my special little talent that makes me feel awesome. It's about God and His will and His kingdom. 
That's what all of our life. The Bible says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And everything else is going to take care of itself in your life that needs to be taken care of. We have got to be kingdom-focused, minded people about doing what God has called us to do, about building what God has called us to build, about serving where God has called us to serve. You know, and I see so many people, they, you know, the, the Bible talks about spiritual gifts, and they're there, and we have them. But I see people sometimes so consumed about looking for exactly all the details on what their gift is that they're actually not serving. They're like in pause. They're like in standby. They're, they're like motionless. They're not getting anything done. And, and I want to tell you today is this, is take up your cross and follow Jesus. Make yourself available. Do what you can do. Do what you know to do. And you'll figure these things out as you go about your callings and, and your giftings and all those other things. But the thing is, is pick up a shovel and get to digging. Amen? I remember Dad had a vision one time about trying to, you know, get from one peak to the next. And he had to dig a ditch from this peak to the next peak. And he just, he said, God, how am I going to do this? And he said he looked down and the whole church showed up, everybody with a shovel. Everybody made one dig and threw it over their shoulder and bam, the ditch was dug. You see, that is a picture of the body of Christ getting it done. That's the picture of the body of Christ saying, hey, what needs to happen, and let's do it. That's the picture right there. And so, and, and I mean, right now there are people, while I'm up here preaching, there's people watching kids, there's people teaching children's church, uh, people parked to get here, and, you know, all these things are essential so that we can get here and do what we need to do. When we have servolutions, we go around, you know, manifesting God's love to the community. We're getting things done that need to be done because Jesus said, hey, these are the things that I want you to do. And these are the things that we need to be focused on. But, you know, you look, at, uh, you look at the story of Nehemiah. When Nehemiah came to rebuild, the, the, rebuild Jerusalem, you know, he, had, he was trying to build the, the, the city back, but at the same time he had opposition from the enemy. So when it all was said and done, they had to have a trowel in one hand and a sword in the other. They had to fight the enemy and they had to build the walls. And this is the position that we find ourselves in. We're building something, and we have opposition. We have opposition. So if this is something that we haven't decided in our heart that we're committed to, we're not going to serve too well. We're not going to fight too well. We're not going to be so committed. So we have to ask ourselves in this big picture, it goes way bigger than just me and what I have to offer. It is, what am I offering it to? What is this really about? And so it's no longer my will, but it's God's will. It's about His kingdom come. His will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And if you're not careful, you can be building an imitation kingdom of God and not even be aware of it. You can not even be aware. You can be busy doing a lot of things and accomplishing nothing for the sake of the kingdom of God. Matthew 20, 26-28 says, But Jesus came to them and said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them. It shall not be so among you. But whomever would be great among you must be your servant. Jesus said that if you want to be great, be a servant. If you want to be something exceptional, be a servant. It says, and whoever would be first among you must be your slave. He even says, be a slave. 
Now, I thought Jesus came to set us free. Yep, you know what he came to set us free for? Galatians says, he came to set us free. He says, but don't, he says, but don't use your freedom as an opportunity from the flesh. He says, but through love, serve one another. He came to make us free so that we could serve people. He came to make us free so that we could do what it says he did. And it says, and whoever would be first among you must be your slave, even as the Son of Man came, not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. We are to, as Jesus did, give our life so that others may come to know him, so that others may be brought into the family, so that this kingdom will be built in the name of Jesus. Not in my name or your name or anybody else's name, but in the name of Jesus. So the Bible says to be great, you must be a servant. You must be a servant. You can't be what the world is teaching us to be number one. You know, go for number one. The Bible says be a servant and you'll become number one. The Bible says that the last shall be first and the first shall be last. So to be great, we must be a servant, but also a servant has a master. You know, no one, Matthew 6, 24 says, No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. And here he says you cannot serve God and money, but he's saying this as a statement that's true no matter what you're talking about. You cannot serve, you know, money being here or not being here doesn't change what he's saying. You can't serve two masters. You see, so me to be a believer and be, begin to do what the world says is I have, I have, I'm not serving who should be my master right now. You can't do it simultaneously. You're either in or you're out. And, and, and that's what, you know, the word, God right now, in the worship this morning and in the words given this morning, God is calling us out now to serve him at a deeper level. It's plain and simple what God is wanting to do in our lives right now. But like Joey said, our temples are full of crap that need to be cleared out. Our, our, we need to get kingdom focused, not on our kingdom, but his, his kingdom. And like I said, if, if our kingdoms are already sustainable, we need to downsize so that God's kingdom can be upsized, so it can be scaled up, so we can step out of the way. So to be great, you must be a servant. A servant has to have a master, and a servant has to have an objective. How many of you believe that? A servant has a purpose. A servant has something to be done. A servant has, there has to be some type of fruit from the service that the servant provides. Ephesians 6, 5 through 8 says this. It says, Slaves, obey your earthly masters with fear and trembling with a sincere heart. Now, how many of you are a slave? We kind of sort of abolished it, right? I'm talking about in human standards. How many of you are a slave? And Paul's talking to slaves here. People that were, at the time, legitimate slaves. They were owned by somebody else. And they were Christians, too. But listen to this. He says, he, he's, telling, he's telling these slaves who are owned by other people, he says, Obey your masters with fear and trembling with a sincere heart as you would Christ. Dang, that's kind of hard to chomp on there. He says, Not by the way of eye service. He says, As people pleasers, but as servants of Christ. How many of you know the scripture clause? says, whatever you do, do as unto the Lord. Except for sinning, okay? Don't do that unto the Lord. Some of you probably use that to justify. <laughs> I wonder how many times that's been quoted at a bar. Give me another beer. I'm doing this unto the Lord. 
Whatever you do, do it as unto the Lord. It says, but as servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart, rendering service with a good will as to the Lord and not to man. If you want to get yourself in trouble, begin to fear man more than God. If you want to get yourself in trouble, pledge your allegiance to man over God and see what man will get you. Man will get you nothing. You know, I mean, in your, in your jobs, you guys that all have jobs, you know, we all work somewhere, you know, get our sustenance from somewhere. If you ever begin to pledge allegiance to that job, to that man over God who is the supplier of your needs, you're going to be in trouble. Unless you ever get grasp of, of who it is that you truly serve, or you should be serving, and who it is that truly meets your needs. You know, some people, it's like when you don't trust God, I mean, that could affect having a job at all. When you serve God, God will take care of meeting your needs. He'll provide the job. He'll provide the way if you serve Him. It says, knowing, listen to this, knowing that whatever good anyone does, this he will receive back from the Lord. And he goes on to say, whether he is a slave or free. So this applies, he, he's, not, he's talking to slaves, but he's saying, look, this applies to any of you whether you're slave or free, anything that you do good towards God is going to be rewarded back to you. But he says, if you want to be great, he says, if you want to, if you want to work with me, he says, you need to be a servant just like Jesus was that came to serve us and to seek that which was lost and to save the lost. So the focus has to be the kingdom. The focus has to be the greater picture. The focus has to be what does God want me to do? You see, if we say that we're serving God, there will be a tangible, tangible way to say, this is how I serve God. You see, people all the time, do you serve God? You know, what, what, what's, what Satan's good about doing is taking words out of the Bible and we just generalize them. We don't, there's no context for it in our life, you know. Uh, you know, we say, oh yeah, I love the Lord in the Bible. And Jesus says, if you love me, keep my commandments, right? So everything that Jesus says there's an actual tangible way for us. It really ain't for nobody else. It really isn't for him because he knows our hearts, right? Does Jesus know our heart? Does you know, the Holy Spirit knows our hearts? He even tries to tell us sometimes what our heart's like, when we, whether we listen to him or not. But this scripture is for us to know that, hey, I am loving the Lord. I am walking with the Lord. I am loving people around me. Even it tells us that, hey, I am serving the Lord. Because the fruit that I have in my life denotes that I am serving. And so what I want to ask you today is this. is What are you doing to serve the Lord? What are you doing to build His kingdom? Is your life so completely disarray and arranged and too cluttered that you don't have time to serve the Lord? Because if, if it's that way, you need to declutter your life. You need to clear the temple, the insides, and you need to say, Hey, I need to make room so that I can serve the Lord. And I want to ask you today, what decision do you need to make in your life? You know, I, want, I, notice, I notice something about people. There's lots of fads and lots of things that, that, you know, Christy and I, we CrossFit. You know, Christy and I, we do the paleo diet. Theologically, it's not correct, but it works for me. And, you know, and there's different things now than there was in different times. But you know what? If I... If I spent more time talking about CrossFit and Paleo than I would the Word of God, I would be amiss. 
I would, I would be totally backwards in what the heck I'm trying to do. And I see it every day on Facebook, and I see it every day in people's conversation. What is it that, that, that sets the tone of your speech, that sets the, the drive of your heart and the intentions of your mind to say, hey, this is what I'm focused on right now. We need to be about kingdom people. We need to be kingdom people. We need to be about the kingdom and doing what God has called us on a day-to-day basis. And for this to happen, we must become servants. You know, you know before we leave today, I want to ask you this. You know, we got the, we're having next this evening. And some of you haven't completed next. But the whole objective of next is to get you to come, be a part of our church, but also not just come and sit in the seat for the rest of your life, but to help get integrated into a spot where you can be used of God to help build the church that builds the kingdom that God has called us to be. But I want to talk about a servant mentality real quick. You know, if you, need, if, if you don't have a job around here, you need to get one. You need to fill out that card and say, hey, I'm, I'm for hire today, or whatever it is you need to do. But before you leave today, you need to decide to make yourself available to be used for the kingdom. And look, don't come up here. Don't, don't drive me crazy and say, hey, I want to do this, I want to do this, I want to do this. And I'll let you do it, and two weeks later, you're nowhere to be found. Pick something and commit to it. Hey, I'm going to tell you this. Before you take whatever job around here, you're going to get tired at one point. You're going to get frustrated at one point. Paul says, don't be weary in doing good because doing good is wearisome. It's going to be hard. But you know what? You might have to sacrifice. You might have to skip out on a few personal things that you want to do to get done what you committed to do. When you commit something to the Lord, stick with it. But I want to talk to you about a servant mentality. I want to talk to you about when you walk into a room. You see, you can have a job here and still not be a servant. You can have a, you can have a position, a title. You can, you can be on staff. I mean, you could have all these things and still not have the heart of a servant when you show up in the congregation, when you show up to a fellowship. You know what a servant does? A servant comes into a room of people and says, what can I do to make this better? What can I do to make this a blessing for everyone around me? What can I do today to help build God's kingdom? Look, there's a piece of trash on the floor. I'm going to pick that up. Look, there's something that needs to be taken care of. I'm going to fix it. Look, everybody around me is working. I'm going to quit talking and help them get this done. Look, there's an elderly person over there doing something that I should be doing for them. Amen? Look, there's a little, 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 lazy, there's a little lazy teenager over there that doesn't know how to work yet. I'm going to teach them how to work. No matter that their age, you can always teach somebody how to work. Do you hear what I'm saying? Man, you need to get the heart of a servant. You need to be inspired to know that when we come together, hey, it's important, and we got something that we're trying to do here. But all this stuff doesn't just magically happen overnight. Jesus has called us to build his church, us to build his kingdom, us to be servants of humility, and about other people before us. And when we come into it, you know, let me tell you something. Being on time is being a servant. You know why? Because not everybody, I mean, some of you just got kids and some of you got other issues, but for the most part, I remember listening to Richard Crisco say that people that are late, they like to be late because that way everything's done when they get there. They like to be late so that the red carpet is already rolled out for them when they show up. They want to enter in like a Hollywood star. That doesn't sound like being first, being last. It sounds like being first and it's not going to turn out for you. You need to get the mentality that, hey, I need to be a servant. 
I need about the good of others. I need to be about the greater good that God has called me to be about today. So what's the Holy Spirit telling you today? Do you need to get the attitude of a servant? Do you need to actually get a job here at Gateway Church? Do you need to begin, you know, some of you got talents that are not being used and, you know, you need to do it. And here's the thing. Don't come up to me saying, hey, I got an idea about something that has absolutely nothing to do with the vision of this church. I'll tell you what, we got enough going on right here. We don't, right now, I don't want to create something else that I got a babysitter watch. Right now, we have Sunday service. We got Wednesday night service. We got children's ministry. We got youth ministry. We got men's ministry. We got women's ministry. We got service projects. We got a bunch. So jump on the boat and help us do what we're doing right now. And you know what? If you, get, if you become really, really good at doing something, Proverbs twenty two twenty nine says, Do you see a man skillful in his work? He will stand before kings. He will not stand before obscure men. So if you show yourself to be really, really good at something, I promise you'll be used at that. But you know what? It all starts at the bottom, at being a servant. It all starts with mopping and sweeping. You remember that little article I wrote about mopping? I mopped in the Marine Corps. I mopped in the fab shop. I mopped as a youth pastor. And every now and then, I still mop as a pastor. Because you know what? You never do step away. From, you never get too big to do the simple little task to get the big picture done. It ain't about titles. It ain't about nothing else. You know what? I, I've, I've, I've even had preachers tell me, you know what? You just need to do the things that you like to do. And let other people do the things you don't like to do. That ain't what Jesus said. That ain't what Jesus said. Wouldn't that be nice if that's all we had to do is what we like to do? Wouldn't take no sacrifice. Wouldn't take getting out of bed late at night to go to the hospital. Just, that'd be just totally convenient. So what is the Holy Spirit saying to you today? If you need a job, get a card. Say, hey, I need a job. Or go to next three so that we can get you integrated into a ministry. But today, while we stand in worship, and, you know, I just want to take a few moments. If the Holy Spirit's speaking to you, hey, you need to be a better servant, then just come today. If you need prayer, whatever it is that you need today, respond. And come down and say, hey, Lord, use me in a greater way. If you're trying to figure out how God can use you, say, Lord, show me an opening. There's where I stands and Sharice leads us in worship. Respond to what the Holy Spirit says today.